Hey, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and just a quick heads up, this interview actually is also on YouTube, so if you want to see me and Stephen Bridges sitting down to talk, you can do that at youtube.com. The channel is BJA Videos, and if not, you can enjoy listening to our conversation right here on the podcast. So without any further ado, here's my interview with magician turned YouTuber turned card counter, Stephen Bridges. I would, in general, highly recommend that you don't use a hidden camera in casinos for a multitude of reasons. Hey guys, I'm Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship and I'm joined with Stephen Bridges, AKA Magician. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you for having me. For those who don't know, why YouTube, why card counting? Oh, wow. Big question to start with. I've been doing YouTube videos for years. I just always have really liked the medium. I just really like it. It just feels a bit more rough around the edges than TV. And I've always liked it. So I did magic videos on YouTube for a really long time. And then I discovered card counting. And I just thought that that would make a really interesting series. I mean, the thing I usually say is that there's been so many really good card document, uh, card counting documentaries, Holy Rollers, for example, but they all come from the angle of an established team that's really good at what they do. And I wanted to sort of document me fumbling through it. And I thought it'd be cool. Well, a big part of Holy Rollers is that he couldn't put the documentary out till we were comfortable. Yeah. But you're, you chose to put it out as your, I, I guess right after and then season one season two like your your name and face are out there as you're actively a card counter yeah well i i made sure that i filmed enough videos that i before actually putting putting them online so i think there was maybe two or three years before i actually uploaded any of the stuff i'd shot i think it just got to the point where people were saying you still got all this footage and you haven't done anything with it yet so i hit a point where i eventually edited it and put it on there and then the series did pretty well. And I had no idea how it would affect my ability to play. I thought it would do something, but I just didn't really have a gauge. And then it was quite, <laughs> quite a problem. Did you put any thought into why did you use your real name? Why not create a new channel? Well, actually, I mean, it's because I got in touch with you originally and said I had this idea for a series and you helped me out with just, you know, going to boot camp, all these things. And then I filmed it with my own face and, you know, I sort of was thinking about putting it on my main channel. So by the time it occurred to me that maybe it could have worked as just a voiceover with B-roll and not my face at all, it was sort of too late. And if I'd started a new channel, then that's the other thing is I don't know how well it would have done because it would have been no momentum, at least with the channel that I had. I had a bit of an audience, so it had a better chance for success, I think. But yeah, I mean, there were a lot of card count friends that said, don't put the videos online. They were just like, don't do it. So when you had to choose between creating, uh, sharing the story, creating the YouTube content versus longevity. Yeah. Well, I, I figured I got into this to make a YouTube series of me doing it. Like I, wa I really wanted to do it for its own sake, even if I wasn't filming it, but I also really wanted to film it yeah. and document the story. And as soon as I had the footage, I just had to, I knew I had to post it because it was some really like good stuff in there, I thought. So I'd already picked my lane and now I just kind of lean into that lane. Like if you're putting your face out there as a card counter, you can't really half-ass it. You know, you're either in and you're being public about it or you're not. So for me, I just lent into it and and now my face is everywhere. But I, I can still play <laughs> as we have discovered. Some of these questions come from BJ members. Okay. I, I asked like, you know, YouTube, uh, I don't know, community tab, 
questions people had and I asked on, on the forum. And I prioritized the forum, of course. But Math Prof, you want to know, why not go big with disguises? But maybe it's just that people don't know. Yeah, I have gone relatively big with disguises. The, fi- the videos that I filmed in disguise, I haven't put out there. But yeah, I, I mean, at first I was just putting on a different cap and things like that and changing my t-shirt. But now when I do a trip, I think way more about the disguises and put effort in. And I, I think if, I, if I'm going to continue playing, I have to go really big on disguises. So I'll see how far I can take that yeah. practically. We just did an experiment, you know, and I don't talk too much about it, but we just went to the strip and split up and tried to see if we could play. And long story short, yeah, you had what, yeah. a, a back off or two? I had one back off yeah. and that was just before I got to the blackjack table. <laughs> so, yeah. And we weren't dropping thousands of dollars a hand, but, but still some strong EV. Yeah. And, and it, it's possible. But now if you're on a trip and you're hot, your name's shared everywhere, yeah. especially being all over the YouTube. Yeah, I think it's also because I have a distinct look, like I have a ginger beard, I've got a British accent, you know, it makes me stand out. So those things are my biggest enemy. So, I mean, shaving the beard is something I've done and it just changes the way I look entirely. And then if you add a wig and add a different kind of clothing style, I can look totally different. That's not going to save me if they do some kind of facial recognition scan, but that won't save anyone, I guess. We're not going to talk about your entire origin story of training and all that, but had you gambled much or at all before card counting? Not really. When I turned 18, I went to the casino and started playing poker, but I had no idea what I was doing. So that wasn't a very good experience because I had that sort of poker delusion thing where you're like, I think I'm reasonable at this, despite not knowing anything about it, bar the rank of hands and, you know, how the game is played. So I played a little bit of poker and, you know, lost a bit of money doing that because I, yeah, which wasn't great, but it was never like a huge amount of money. I think 300 pounds was the most like was was the total I lost to playing poker. I played some tournaments, that was fun. And I did dabble a little bit in some other casino games just to try them, but I never was really into them. Played a little bit of blackjack, but really, you know, I could count on one hand the amount of times I went to a casino yeah. and placed a bet. After you decided, hey, I'm gonna become a card counter, all the all the training, all the practice, which yeah. you know, people can watch your videos or or listen to other podcasts we've done about that. The whole journey, what was it like the first time going into a casino to count cards? terrifying i think in a nutshell also being in the u.s because it was the only times i've ever been to america are times when i've been here for blackjack in some form like boot camp was the first time i'd ever been to america and then going to washington to actually play properly so i didn't really know what to expect your casinos are way bigger you have police that are scarier so i i was kind of nervous yeah i I always describe it as it feels like you're about to rob a bank when you walk in, for me anyway, I always feel that tension. Even just when we were going playing, I don't know if you just walk in and it's yeah. super casual and just another day at the office. Yeah. But for me, I, I still feel like no, no butterflies. Yeah, yeah, I get the same thing. Like, okay, I've been, <laughs> the places that we just played, I've been backed off from each one multiple times. So there's sort of this like, how's this going to go? Yeah. But then uh, usually the butterflies settle. I will say on that note, I think that I have an advantage now because if people know who I am and then they back me off, they're worried that I'm filming. Yeah. So then I think sometimes I get special treatment during a back off. Going back to kind of the the nerves. Yeah. How does Card Can compare? Because you were, you've been a street performer, you've been a professional magician. Mm. How do the nerves of card counting compare to other things you've done? That's interesting. I think it's kind of similar. Nerves are nerves, except with card counting, the stakes are higher in a way in terms of what could happen. 
Like, could I get arrested? You know, first time, like, I had no idea. Also, I was filming first time, so then I'm worried about what if I'm caught with a camera? Which what? you still don't know the legality of some of. It is a complicated legal issue that I will not comment on in the sake of a video in case it's used against me in court. But yeah, I was worried that they think I was using a device to cheat. So all those things were kind of factoring into the nerves. Whereas if you're doing a show and you do a bad show, sure, that will be unpleasant. And I would fear that happening or be nervous of that happening. But the, would, the consequences wouldn't be any more than people thinking you weren't very good. Yeah, you're not. You, there's not a possibility of getting cuffed for busking for street performing. Well, it used to happen back in in like the 80s. Yeah, but, but not, not, no, not in my. You know, the most I'd get is a security guard that says you've got to turn the volume down or something like that. But I've never had anything that made me feel unsafe when I was street performing. Is it exhilarating, or was it exhilarating, or was it like uh, this is beyond my comfort zone? I well, it was with just within my comfort zone enough. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. But I think partly because when you put so much effort and training, and then you book a flight, and then you fly over, and you've got money, you're committed. Yeah. So no matter how scared I was, I think I was still going to do it. But yeah, I mean, it's a thrill. I I really I really like it overall. That feeling is like, it's more excitement than it is nerves. But I think both are there. Yeah, and those those there are different levels of it. Like. <laughs> Before just playing, you know, recently before really moving bets, there's there's who's looking, yeah. who's looking. But then it's the bets are escalating, the phones ring, you know. So so they're kind of waves of of the nerves. Uh, do you have any tips or uh, how how you handle uh, the nerves of the environment? Yeah, I I do think as as cliche as this advice is, just like doing some deep breaths mm-hmm. can actually be really can be really helpful. Like just doing like box breathing or something just when you are really just doing some deep breaths can help. Box breathing is like inhale three, hold it three, yeah. exhale three. And then hold that. The, hold yeah, that. I think I do it for four, but okay. either way, it's all the same. But just that just kind of relaxes you a bit. So, but really it's just a case of knowing that ultimately the worst case scenario really, you can, the worst case scenario, generally, you can still walk out the casino. Yeah. And if it's worse than that, you've got an amazing lawsuit on your hand and you've got like a $500,000 lawsuit. So in a way, it's kind of a bit of a win-win situation. So I would always bear in mind that if anything went too bad, I would just leave. And yeah. even in the most high complex situations, when there was a big argument, I still felt like I could leave. So I think just bearing in mind that it's a card game, you yeah. can still walk out the casino. It might feel like a heist, but it's not a heist. It's not a heist. You're it's not playing illegal. a game of skill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I I say this at boot camp sometimes. SD one professional AP. He told me this. Put your palms face up on on your legs. That if you do that, it calms. Some it does oh, something to calm you down. And so I always tell people they get nervous for a test out. Like do that. <laughs> nice. Does it work? Uh, it's supposed to. It'll at least placebo effect, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's the same thing with the breathing, but yeah. I'm going to try that under the table next yeah, time. There you It'd go. be a weird way of sitting at the blackjack table. And, and then the other one SD1 said is if you do the Superman pose, it's like proven to make people feel like yeah. more empowered or something. I don't want to be the guy that, but I will be the guy. The person that did that TED talk, I believe, has since oh. come out and said that, oh, the science isn't oh, what really? they thought it was. All right. Apparently. So just to take away that okay, lovely advice well, i've done i did i used to do power poses all the time when i watched that ted talk oh really yeah and i never knew if they work but i would do them because if they work maybe work i was hoping you were going to be walking around the casino pit 
just like, <laughs> like walking that. around yeah. like Superman. That's right. That's I actually found back counting today maybe more nervous than regular counting. When you sit down and just play, you're just playing yes. the minimum and you look normal. But when you're stood awkwardly behind the table, there's only so long you can do that. Well, no, I, I feel like there's there's an art to it. But, yeah, but I'm not used to back counting. We're not going to get into the art of back counting right now. Yeah. What about just the overall emotions of card counting? How does it compare to other things you've done? Well, interestingly, there is a degree of variance in street performing because you can go out and you can do a sh- you can do a good show, but then not really make much in the way of tips. And then other times you can you can do well. So there's a, there's a degree of variance. So that feeling, to an extent, I was familiar with, but the scale of it and the emotional impact when you're card counting is a hundred times more. Yeah. And I think it's just one of those things that you don't necessarily get used to it. Well. I guess you can get used to it, even if you're not comfortable with it. It's still going to hurt when you lose a large amount of money. But I think you get more used to that feeling. And I guess the more you play, the more you know you're also going to have the good time. So it kind of all sort of is going to be fine in the end. You're still playing a positive EB game, but it's really hard to... I think taking a break is really underrated. I know this is kind of an odd thing to say, but sometimes people will... You know, you're going after the EV, but sometimes I will end a session particularly if the place is quite tolerant, I'll end a session on a high. If I've had several losing sessions in a row, I'll end when I'm up maybe just a bit because the psychological win of leaving and being up slightly is actually like a really good, it's just really good for me. And then I've got way more energy for the next few sessions. So that's maybe not, that's not effective in terms of EV, yeah. you know, but in terms of my own mental health, I would find sometimes taking a strategic break would actually just be the best thing. Well, yeah, if people think quitting when you're at, ahead is good no it's not but i tell people you end a session when you decide to for whatever reason it may be yeah you're tired your your brain's not functioning properly too much heat or you just decide i'm done for now like there's always ev another day or another hour or whatever and it's obviously it's got to be a bit of a balancing act if you think that this is going to be the if you think you're going to get the back off whether you leave and they're going to do it retroactively or not then you might as well play it out but there are times when i think taking a break you're allowed to take a break <laughs> yeah yeah if if you're in a good mental space and you know yeah keep playing um yeah some people don't need to they can just they can just take all the all of that <laughs> all the pain and they're fine they yeah. can bounce back i was thinking you were saying like you 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 don't get used to it but or you you get used to it but it never becomes comfortable it's like getting kicked in the shin like yes you, you get kicked in the shin it's gonna hurt but if you got kicked in the shin every day even well here it comes you know you're yeah you're prepared for it but you never like it yeah exactly like a boxer i imagine or a, a mma fighter that's a know. better yeah yeah because he's going around getting kicked in the shin it's time for my morning shin kick yeah, yeah. but yeah they obviously you know pain in that job but they do it all the time so yeah it's something like that isn't it you just kind of get you get used to all the, the range of emotions that you're going to feel and once you've been through enough bad situations, you don't have to worry about them as much because you know what can happen and it wasn't that bad. And yeah. Yeah. I imagine even a boxer, if they take a couple of years off, yeah. you have a flinch, you know? Yeah. Definitely. If you take a break from card counting for a few months and then come back, then it's, it's going to feel heightened. Yeah. The first casino we walked in today, well, I walked in was the one that I felt the most tense at. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, a couple hours in, it was just like, oh yeah, whatever. Like riding a bike. Yep. Nubs 1981. It, there's there's a clip in, in a video where you discuss a playing mistake and we'll show it to the people. Oh yeah. Um, 
it's a dealer error on insurance and blackjack. <clears throat> so, um, so you're recalling that you made this mistake with insurance um, and the, the dealer's error on insurance and, and uh, blackjack hand. Any advice for players to help them avoid the same mistake is Nubs 1981's question. Yeah, so I think partly because my brain was so used to the concept of always taking insurance, not always taking insurance, <laughs> every, every time the deal has an ace, take insurance, uh, taking insurance, but never taking even money, that that was so ingrained in my head that I'd almost lost the meaning of what even yes. money was and what it meant, like yes. mathematically. So in the moment, I was thrown off by, I can't exactly even remember the exact specifics, but either being encouraged to do the thing that I wasn't used to or being, yeah. so that threw me off. So I always tell people, if you're going to buy insurance, take even money on a blackjack because mathematically it's the same thing, but it removes the confusion of the payout. Yeah. But it's, well, a, it's then a that's common, what I'd suggest. <laughs> it's a common, uh, but well, just those sort of beginner mistakes. It, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, I think just the, it's good to understand all elements of the game. Yes. And I guess I understood the elements that I, I thought I needed to know. So because even money was something that I'd never took because I would always just take insurance. It meant that when even money came up and was significant for whatever reason, I didn't fully understand it. And when you're trying to keep the count and also then lo yes. try and figure out something logically, like if I wasn't trying to keep the count in the moment, I might've handled it differently, but yes. it totally threw me off. And when someone else is telling you something with such confidence and they work there, it just was, um, it threw me. So yeah, I guess the advice would be is make sure that you understand all of the elements of the game, even the ones that you don't think you're going to need because you never know when stuff's going to come up. ERPA or ERPA, I don't know how he pronounces it. He wants to know how your background with magic has served you or if it has served you in any capacity at the tables. You probably get asked this a lot. Yeah, people tend to assume that being a magician somehow translates to card counting and it actually translates less than I expected. Yeah. I thought, because in magic, some, you know, I hold a deck of cards all the time and I can feel if there's a card missing because you just get really used to it. Yeah. You can be like, this isn't quite a full deck. And same kind of visually. So I thought my deck estimation is going to be amazing. But in reality, when it's six decks of cards or eight decks, it's, it just becomes a totally different thing. So really, if anything, magic holds me back because my urge to, to fiddle with the chips in a way. I saw you Did I do at, in, in oh, the, yeah, at the cashier here. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy. By the time I was at the cashier, That's I just didn't tricks. care anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was just like, we're going. I make myself not shuffle the chips at the table. Yeah. I have things. to really consciously yeah. not do it. Or, I mean, the other option is just leaning into it and pretending I'm a poker player. So when I got like a World Series of Poker cap, then I would shuffle a lot. And I tried to just make it look like I was a poker guy that was just playing a bit of blackjack. So I've done that before. But yeah, in essence, it, I guess it can hold me back in a way. Yeah, because of fidgeting. I wish it was super applicable, but it is quite a different thing, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, two more questions, then we're going to get into season two of your series. So uh, one of the questions is, what games do you play for fun? What games do I play for fun? Yeah. Well, no, no gambling games, but I love playing Mafia, or it's also called Werewolf. I love that game. I love all social deduction games. So Secret Hitler is another really good game. Um, but any, also I like co-op board games. Yeah. We play those quite a lot. I, in general, that's like one of my favorite things to do is just have friends around and play some kind of cooperative Dude. board game where you're all trying to achieve the same objective. We did an entire blackjack team game of, we call it Mafia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like 20 of us. And it was a total, it was in incredible and a total train wreck. I used to play so much. Yeah, we, we might have to do that when we have a 
group oh, of APs so together. down. Did you use special roles? I'm sure we did. Oh, um, yeah. Do it properly. Yeah. All right. All right. You'll, you'll be in charge of Mafia. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Uh, what advice would you give for new card counters? And is BJ worth it? I didn't, oh. I didn't write this. It's a real question. Uh, it, look, in my opinion, BJA is absolutely worth it. I can say with full confidence that I wouldn't be counting without it. When I've looked at some of the other literature on card counting, it is more daunting than it is helpful. Not all of it. I mean, I've not read every Blackjack book. That's enough about BJA. Advice for new card counters. Okay. Well, advice for new card counters. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I want to pivot it back into BGA because it's really the advice that you've given me. And one of the things I would say is essentially going for perfectionism is quite important in card counting because your edge is so small. If you're making a few mistakes, that can wipe out your edge, especially on like a double deck game. If you're off on the count by one yeah. or two, then you could be betting big in a disadvantaged situation where you've got even more of a disadvantage. So perfectionism is actually quite good in counting. But the most important thing I would say is getting your game tested out by a card counter because really you just you just don't know until you're actually there. If you're not going to do that, at least a virtual t- test out. Like I'm trying oh. to lower the bar for people with our yeah. virtual test out. But, but well, you don't necessarily ha- have to have a card counter test you. Yeah. You can for sure have somebody else test you because at the end of the day, they can just deal and, and every now and again... Well, you can check the count at the end of the shoe and see if you're off. But I think that process of doing it physically is important because sometimes when the variables are changed, it just becomes weird. I remember when you tested me out, you asked me to recite basic strategy verbally, and I really struggled at verbalizing the thing that I could do so automatically, which is odd. And I think sometimes that can be the case if you're training in a certain way, but it's going to be different to the casino environment. So that would be a big thing is, is getting your game checked, even if it's by a friend. We see at every boot camp that someone is really good at something and then you change it, like start dealing multiple hands or, yeah. you know, a different bet spread, whatever it may be. And it's like, so that you, you got to get those. Bet spread is a big one, especially when you train, you're going to be training the same bet spread all the time. So maybe it's good to train different bet spreads to get used to it because it can take your brain a bit of an adjustment and you're already doing a lot of stuff in your brain. So you don't want to be worried. So about. your advice for new card counters is put in the training to be perfect get your game tested yeah do everything in order buy a blackjack apprenticeship membership probably i mean honestly that is my my advice awesome season two of the blog um season one seemed more of kind of your journey to seeing if you could do it seeing if this thing was going to work prove to yourself that you could make money with card counting yeah and then season two it's really fascinating because it shows kind of a lot of the ways that casinos violate players' rights. Oh yeah. When the casinos feel like it. There's there's a lot of these chip caching. Actually, no, there's a specific one I want to talk about. Okay. The guy with the gun <laughs> tie clip. <laughs> I knew it was gonna be trouble yeah. when I saw the tie, the tie clip. It's it's actually like it's it's crazy making for me to watch. Because mm. I was thinking as I was watching it, imagine it being reversed. Imagine I'm in a casino and I say, I'm not going to obey the law. It's my policy. It's my policy to not obey the law. Like what would happen? Yeah. You, you, you bad things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been cuffed in a casino. Yeah. Uh, simply because the casino told the police that I was doing something wrong. Like, but we can't do a citizen's arrest of the pit boss, yeah. the, you know, whoever it may be you the casino man you can't do a citizen's arrest 
that guy in particular, he he wasn't trying to be antagonistic. He was very much of a I'm just following orders type. Yes. And it was this kind of weird stifled conversation. But it, you know, what I said in the video at the time is that it baffles me that he doesn't know the law. Or he should be able to, even if I'm wrong, let's say there's a law I'm missing, he should be able to tell me that, surely. But yeah, it he the trump card was it's our policy. And there's that's never been a trump card versus the law and you're trying to explain it and they're like yeah but this is our policy yeah well here's the thing anybody they can and this is weird because every now and again someone will comment saying you should have just done it it's the policy and they're they're totally missing the point in my opinion they can have any policy they want and you you know you have to comply with it to a point right so if i walk in the casino and i'm dressed in casual clothes and they say actually at this casino we require suits then I can leave. But the point is, is that the service has already been done at the point where, you know, they're kicking up a fuss about ID. If they want an ID before going in the casino, yes. that's my choice to give ID or to leave. If it's uh, when you sit down, that's my choice to give over ID or leave. But once you've played, you've entered into a contract with the casino that they are legally required to, you know, f- fulfill their end of the bargain. So then when they start adding a policy term, it doesn't override the legal... Uh, can you just so, imagine midway through imagine we had an agreement and midway through and we had a contract and midway through the contract i went actually colin this money i owe you because of our agreement i'm not going to give it to you uh until you wear a suit and meet me uh, in france like it would just be uh, a weird example but it would be ludicrous to change the the term so there is the legal thing and then policy can be around it but they have to fulfill their end of the bargain which is cashing out the chips an idea isn't required to do that most of the time. There's nothing out, nothing else in the world I can think of that is is like this, where they just say, well, but our policy. And, yeah. you know, like, I've been a card counter for close to 20 years, and I've never been a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I never have claimed it. I've never really uh, historically tried super... I mean, I knew that we were not breaking the law, but there were ways that ca- casinos would violate our rights that I was just kind of we were used to, we expected. Yeah. And, um, I did a, uh, interview with Bob Nersession, who's, a, who is a lawyer, who's defended advantage players recently. And he was beating the same drum you were, mm. which is they have to cash out the chip. Like they could say, they could say, this is their policy. It doesn't matter. And so I appreciated that you were <laughs> bringing to light. But you know, the people say that I'm, you know, I was kicking up the fuss, a fuss for the sake of it for content. So, you know, that's the flip side well, of the, the opinion. Bringing people's rights being violated, bringing that to, to the attention of the world to me, to me is, is a good thing. Do you have any advice for people in that situation? What I don't want everyone to do is start wearing a Oh, I really camera. would advise that you don't wear a hidden camera. And, and to like antagonize people yeah. when, when they're demanding ID. So what, what would you say? My position is to stand my ground. I think, but you're in. A, you're not trying to make a career, a long career as a card counter, right? Yeah, this is, this is a good point. Like my longevity is going to be capped in a way that other people's. So I'm a new card be. counter. I'm. I've trained. I've tested out. I'm ready to start hitting the country. Um, what advice would you give me when casinos say uh, at the cash out that they can't cash you out under ten grand, under ten thousand uh, dollars, without ID? Well, the first thing I'd say that's good to do is understand the law, because if you're there trying to have a polite argument and you don't really know 
even if you know you're right, but you don't know the specifics, then you might struggle. So I think it is worth brushing up on the legal specifics, particularly, you know, if you can do it for the state you're in as well, then that would be good. And the other bit of advice that I would say is to try as hard as it is to remain calm, because the second that you get angry, Mm. visibly is the second that you're going to lose ground and either they're going to get more angry or you're just going to kind of look sort of out of control and being the one that's being unreasonable yes. and it's so hard there's been there's been plenty of times where I've not been chill but I think all of the it only makes it worse if you get angry I think I don't think it really will I don't think getting really angry at the cash desk is going to get you the money so yeah I, I, would, I would just basically say try and understand the law and then try and explain that politely and calmly but if I had a better solution, then I'd I, be doing it. I'm going to give the advice that I give, which is like, if if you can just leave, just leave. Right. Uh, you were in a situation where you needed to cash out then and there. You weren't going to be back. Yeah. But I would say, if you can just leave, just leave. Yeah. Um, if you're like, hey, I have to cash out now, um, Bob Sessions' advice was walk outside of the casino and call gaming. Because... Gaming exists to protect the player, uh, but it's a it's it's a tough thing. I hope that it moves better in in the direction of the law. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for your part of at least bringing it to light. Yeah, I will mention that. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking through the lens of most of the time I'm not going to be back yes. at this place, so it is a bit more pressure on me to cash out. Especially if I've got a team bankroll, they don't want me to take yeah. three five k's worth of chips no. back to England. No. So it's no. a bit tricky. Six to five is the name of a uh, BJ member. He was at our last boot camp. That's the name. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, he saw that you were speaking at the World Game Protection Conference and wants to know what, what sort of things you were... Why am I such a sellout? Yeah, exactly. I had one person on Twitter just lay... I think you saw this conversation, just lay into me because they saw I was on the lineup for this. They didn't even read what my talk was about. <laughs> so the only... The only thing I spoke about at the World Gaming Protection Conference, and it was the only thing that I would do, was the um, relationship between card counters and casino staff, and particularly the back off and how it's handled. And the main thing that I said is that when the casino backs off a card counter in an aggressive way, it makes it makes the situation bad for the casino and also bad for the card counter. So the argument that I was trying to make is simply that if you just back them off in a really chill way and don't force them to yeah. do anything outside their legal rights, then it's better for everybody. So I didn't give any advice for on I didn't give any advice on catching card counters or anything like that, even though occasionally was asked a question on it. Uh yeah. <laughs> so I very much stayed in that lane. And you did a really good job of of saying, hey, uh why are you making this worse for for everyone? And and I think one of the best things that we can do because I spoke at this thing eight years ago. Well, they called. They said, "Hey, do you want to speak at this thing?" And or maybe email. And I was like, "No." Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and and then I think a friend was like, "Well, what if you talk about what you want want to talk about?" And I was like, "Ooh, what would I want to talk about?" And it was. And so then I I did. I I told you know Willie the and Willie was great. Yeah. I said, "Hey, I'll do it if I could talk about what I want to." He said, "Well, what's that?" And I said human humanize our side but also yeah. like apologize for the ways that i've dehumanized casinos and say like look uh how how can we have a little bit of like not throwing grenades at each each yeah. other i'm going to try to take your money but i'm not doing anything illegal and you're going to try to stop me and i don't need to treat you yeah. you know uh like like a you know 
the Antichrist or whatever for yeah, backing yeah. me off. How do we just make this um, a human interaction? Because we're going to, you know, like you're there to take players' monies. Yeah. I'm there to take casinos' monies. Yeah. And so I, I felt like you did a good job of, of that humanizing. Well, thanks. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just meeting the people. So afterwards, yeah. and I was pleased that everybody that I spoke to seemed to agree that a back off should just be a quick, hi there, you know, no more blackjack, you're welcome to stay. And there should be no problems with cashing out or anything like that. Everybody I spoke to fully agreed with that approach. Now, I hope, I hope that that has gone forward and I hope that they're going to go back to their casinos and say and, and adjust their policies if they weren't doing that before. But yeah. Well, that was his follow-up was what was the feedback like at, from the... Surprisingly positive. I, it was really weird. I mean, you know that how it feels. In all honesty, uh, when I, f I found when I was there initially meeting the other speakers and a lot of them in the casino industry, I felt more uncomfortable mm -hmm. initially. And I don't know if that was just me projecting, like no one was rude to me, but initially I was a bit like, okay, I'm in the room with these surveillance directors. Yeah. But everybody that I met afterwards on the casino side, and it was 95% surveillance people, yeah. were all really, really nice. And uh, yeah, very nice. So that was good. What I'd love to ask, I actually thought about a way to, if I spoke there again, I would start out and say like, who here use, uses coupons? And everybody raises their hand and be like, how dare you advantage play the grocery stores? Yeah, you know? that's a great way of putting it. What kind of advantage shoppers do you think you are? Yeah. In the UK, we have meal deals. I don't know if this is a concept that's outside of the UK, but it's one of the greatest things that we've created as, as British people. It's just when you can get a sandwich, a packet of, not crisp, chips, and a, and a drink yeah. or some variation. You have these yeah. things, but it's all for like under four pounds. Yeah. And the advantage play situation is you get the most expensive drink with the most expensive sandwich, and then you yeah. get to see the savings you've made. How dare you? How dare I do that and maximize now, my Now, profits. of course, we're, we're talking about larger amounts of money, you know, um, that, that we're trying to take from casinos than yeah. like the, the meal deal. Yeah. But at the same time, like if you, I don't know if there's a person that works at a casino that if, that would say no, if they could, beat someone at a game profitably yeah, that's that's the thing no i don't i don't want to win money at a game how dare you legally legally because i'm better than you yeah yeah well good job uh trying to humanize us to them um i thought i thought it was you know it was interesting and there's a line of people afterwards yeah. that that uh wanted to talk to you about it um okay moving on with with season two there is a game that you guys realize after the fact you're playing with little or no edge. Yes. Yeah. That was not great situation. Can you sh share what it was or no? Uh, I, I deliberately was sort of vague about it. And I actually don't really know. I don't really know the, the specifics of, of the rules of the game. But it's the kind of game that you would come across where you'd go, whoa, this is rare. And then it turned out it turned out to not it like had some rules limitations yeah. and you guys lost 10k i think 10K. it was on that Did you, but after rerunning the numbers it was yeah. more that it was break even yeah it wasn't it i think there may have even been a tiny edge or something okay. but it was yeah but at the time it felt like we'd thrown 10k away even though that's not quite yes so, so that's what i wanted to tell people Th this happened very early on i was on a very small team me and two other people and i remember i think i made a deviation mistake or something right and i and, and of course, I lost as of a, a result of it. And I felt like I cost the team, whatever it was, $500. And my teammate that was more experienced, he was like, Colin, that was probably like 50 cent EV yeah. mistake. And I was now, of course, $10,000 is gone. So you don't want to be like, oh, 
it was just, you yeah. know, Evie. But at the same time, it can help you get over the pain yeah. of we miscalculated it. You didn't make a ten thousand dollar. Now, AV, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But EV, yeah. you didn't, and and over the grand scheme of things. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. And when I was speaking at the time, I was more speaking from how it felt. Yeah. It felt like throwing 10K away. But in reality, I mean, what's the worst case scenario? We're playing a game where the casino has a tiny edge because he's playing perfect basic, etc. But yeah, it, I mean, the reason that that mistake happened is because... Our teammate wanted to run it by the manager, our team manager. Our team manager was asleep because of time zones all over the place and couldn't. So then in the group chat, a couple of us sort of were like, well, yeah, it seems fine based on what he, what he said. He even was going to cap the max bet by quite a bit. So it seemed really unlikely that anything would go wrong. Bad. We also thought he was going to get a back off really fast. And then before I know it, I checked the group chat and we're 10K down on that. But I, this is the thing I said in the video and I really believe this i don't think of it as him making a mistake yeah. at all i think it's a team error because we should have like a check and balance like a policy we can have policies too we, we should have some kind of policy in place which stop that kind of thing happening and now we do now yeah. things have to be run by the manager if it's unusual anyone that's done this long enough has has miscalculated an edge somewhere or you know um i've i've thought something at a much bigger edge than it did or or a smaller edge than it did and um but yeah there probably could have been a procedure to to avoid it but those things absolutely are going to happen there's always going to be challenges and things that pop up that you can't anticipate but that doesn't mean that you can't try and anticipate a lot of them but going back to the youtube channel part of this do you feel like this has affected not only your AP career, putting putting this these two seasons out now, but also the the careers of other APs. Yeah, this is a this is a like a criticism I get from a few APs. I think it's a totally valid question to ask. Mm -hmm. I think that people do greatly overestimate the impact that I have. And I think it this way. So yeah, people are gonna see my videos and be inspired to count. But out of all of those people, how many will actually end up counting and being winning players? I'm more worried about people casually taking up blackjack and not counting. Yeah, so I call it the 21 The Movie effect. Right. This was, 21 The Movie came out in 2008. We were running a million dollar blackjack team at the time. Mm -hmm. Every card counter I knew was terrified the movie was going to ruin card counting. And it came out, you know, nothing is going to get as many views as 21 the nothing you or i do yeah now again i'm will i'm always willing to hear the criticism and to, to think through it i i'm never above thinking about am i doing more damage than good and i ask regularly people i respect but the reality is 21 the movie had a bigger impact and it, it created a million wannabes yeah and some pros and now we're 15 years later and it's still yeah. there. Yeah, I think there are way bigger threats to card counting than too many card counters. Although it's it's tricky. Yeah. It's a hard it's a hard thing to sort of really judge. And I'm always open to having the conversation about it, but and I really have listened to uh that critique, but I'm not convinced that I'm making an impact in a way. Ironically, the thing that is negatively impacted card counting more than anything, in my opinion, in the last 15 years was covid right like yeah. that's affected changes in casinos and rule changes you know now we just 
proved it can still be done even in somewhere crappy like Vegas. Yeah. But, you know, it's often it's the things outside of our, and then people say, oh, well, then is it going away? I don't know. Yeah. People thought it was going away 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years. But, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting question. I don't know if the re, the, the, the rawness, the realness of a real person filming himself really do is, is that more damaging than all than the stories? Movies? Yeah, maybe. Because it makes it a bit more accessible. Maybe it thinks, you know, if I'm a normal guy, then... You're not. You're a magician. There we go. Yeah. So it, it's a hard thing to judge. Overall, I'm not convinced that it's making an impact. I also think there are things that are way bigger threats to card counting that people almost overlook in comparison. So, yeah. Like... Oh, I don't, I, how much do you want me to... Well, it's weird because I don't want to give casinos tips. Oh, like no, if I go and don't. say there's this one element of a no, casino. No, let's not. Let's yeah. not. Autonymity. BJ member Autonymity wants to know any tips on recording oneself in a casino for YouTube, but also for checking on your game and if you've been accused of using a device. Yeah, I would in general highly recommend that you don't use a hidden camera in casinos for a multitude of reasons. Firstly, if they think you're using a device to cheat at the game you are in a really bad spot and you have to prove that you weren't you might have to prove that you yeah weren't. i'm not quite sure but either way mean, you, yeah. you could not end up in learn uh, i could be but not right now <laughs> yeah yeah like so that's that's the first thing i kind of would, would say is that um it adds like a level of pressure something you know i've worked with hidden camera experts and they've said to me you'll be really tired at the end of the day when using this because it just creates a level of anxiety on top of the level of anxiety you get when being a counter. So, but here's the thing. Yeah, if they catch you with a camera, that it could be very bad. So, and also, posting videos to YouTube will affect your ability to count. Yeah. It, I've been also, I've been recognized from my voice mm -hmm. as well. So there's, it's hard to get around it. So in general, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. However, to actually give the question an answer, uh, recommendations would be to learn how to use hidden cameras properly. This is where being a magician has come in handy because we have principles like the larger motion covers the smaller motion. So if I have a switch for a camera on my wrist, then I'll, I won't just press the switch. I'll do that as I adjust my sleeves or something like that. So I would learn how to use the camera. I would also research the laws in the states that you're going to have yeah. the camera because taking aside the cheating stuff, if you're caught recording a conversation, that yes. could be very bad depending where it is. And the a lot of states, it it yeah, you could you get in trouble for that. Well, that's partly why I chose the route that I did yeah. on the previous on the season two you chose the sweaty south. Yeah, yeah, but I could record without worrying about it. So in general. In terms of cameras themselves, I can't recommend any specific camera. You have to buy a load of them because there's not an industry... In general, there's not an industry standard. And then you have to test them and see if they work. But I really would have recommend that you just don't record. Yeah, I, I would give the same advice. I don't want everyone thinking, hey, I'm going to... And if, get another AP to watch you play in a casino if you need to know if your game sucks yeah. in a casino and you're not doing anything that could be considered using a device or whatever but we'll we'll move on from that we're going to go into a segment called rapid fire q a with questions from joe 748 love it i'm All ready right. joe uh for those who don't know joe 748 million dollar card counter he helps with the podcast but uh he's not helping with this okay where do you do your currency exchange oh i tend to just keep the cash in general i don't really exchange it all right i just have a safe deposit box and so you've got some some quid and some bucks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we try and keep as much cash as we can because we're, you know, 
yeah, it's handy to have the cash. So I have a safety deposit box and there is some cash in there. You will not find it. Okay. <laughs> Travel hacks being a vegan, oh, uh, yeah. traveling, finding food in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's very difficult, but in general, chains can sometimes be good. So like in different parts of America, there are different chains. Find one chain that you can rely on like Chipotle or Olive mm. Garden or mm. things like that, even though people you know, have mixed feelings on that. That's the easiest way. Typing vegan into Google Maps is tends to be the easiest way. So that will address the very niche portion of vegan card counters that also have this problem. All right. He wants to know in your most recent season, teammate number two got 128 hours with only four back offs. Oh, yeah. How? He, I can't say. I don't think I can actually answer. Okay, so he was, uh, I can say. He was doing something else. Okay. that wasn't quite the same as what we okay. were doing. How did you do the team pay structure as far as like percentage of investors, percentage of players? Yeah, so in general, the standard thing that we do is 50-50. And we always look at it like... Half to investors, half to players. Yeah, and we look at it like kind of buying shares in a company that we dissolve at the end because players nearly always are investing in the trip as well. So yeah, you'll get paid out based off the winnings proportionately based off your investment and then players will get paid out usually based off time never based off actual value never do that because everybody's sitting and playing it doesn't matter who wins the money so we do everyone's playing with the same skill yeah and everybody gets tested before the trip and even if someone wasn't playing with the same skill that's on the team for letting that person be on the team so yeah did any louisiana casinos back off any of your teammates even though they recently have passed a law that they're not allowed to back you off i have been backed off in louisiana i also have yeah other teammates that have been backed off in louisiana. even though they're not allowed to. oh yeah totally they don't even know they're not allowed to they half i i guarantee 99 percent of the staff in that casino have no idea that you can't back off a card count in louisiana what was your favorite part of visiting the south uh, what was my favorite part of visiting the South? Uh, Hot Springs. I just liked the place. There was like a nice friendly vibe and it just was this cool little quaint town and there was a really nice cafe that had really good vegan food and great coffee. What's the longest session you've been able to play ever having uh, after having been a YouTube celebrity? I'm sure I've done like an eight-hour session. Okay. since. Yeah, def- definitely like an eight-hour session. All right. All right. That concludes rapid fire, but we're not done. We've got non-rapid fire. At this point, you've, you've put in hundreds of hours. Do you feel like you can tell when a back off is coming? I think most of the time. Sometimes they just catch you off guard, but I think heat is always incredibly obvious. Particularly, I like to be quite friendly at the table and quite. I try and talk to the pit bosses before they talk to me. I'll try and get their attention and say hi for some arbitrary reason because I like to try and win people over. I think that can help with longevity, maybe not for everybody. So then if the baseline is them being friendly and then they think I'm counting, it is impossible for them to maintain the same level of friendliness. I've never seen a casino manage to, any casino member of staff manage to hide that they feel suspicious of you. So that's one way, but sometimes- uh, Out of the blue. Out of the blue. Yeah. There's There's an interesting line in one, one of your recent videos where you said, there's a tipping point where I become more of a liability than an asset. Yeah. And you're referring to your team. So uh, Crazy Auto wants to know, how do your teammates feel about you being so well-known? Generally, they are pretty fine with it. It's, it's one of those things where it depends. If I'm getting the hours in, then I'm getting the hours in. And in that previous team trip, I 
didn't get the lowest amount of hours out of everybody. So that would sort of say, okay, yeah, there's definitely times when I'm getting backed off because someone recognizes me, but I'm still getting time in. I've talked before about whether or not I cover some of my own expenses to offset mm. some of the risk. Because, because if you're going to get backed off more frequently, then the EV generated relative to the travel expenses is going to be... Exactly. And there is a tipping point where, I mean, hotel fees can be so expensive, whereas depending on where you're going and depending on what day of the week it is. So things like that. But, um, uh, oh yeah. But in the previous, the last trip that we did, I went really big on disguises and by no means was I a liability. So that was really quite reassuring. Nice. Disguises, I think, are super underrated as a side note. What do you see then as the end goal? with this? I think I try not to have end goals Yeah. in general. So in terms of the actual Beat the Odds series, series one was, what? Like, let's see if I can do this. Series two, in a way, was, can I still do this now I've done series one? And what I don't want is for the whole series to become so meta that it just becomes about itself. I think that's fine for one season to be a bit like, whoa, they're recognizing him based off being YouTube. But if it just becomes that, and if it just becomes just this one big conversation about ID, then I won't feel like I'm adding anything. So the next season, if there is one, has to be sort of answering a new question or having a new element that would make it interesting. And do you need to present this to your team like each season or it's just always in conversation? In general, everybody knows that I want to film and we just have Everyone knows that I'm really like careful about putting people yeah. in the videos, like really careful. I've mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but one teammate, once he saw a video and saw himself in a video, wasn't comfortable with it. So instead of blurring his face, I blurred his entire body. And then I, instead of pitch shifting his voice, I re-recorded all of his lines in a fake American accent that I just did. And then I pitch shifted that. So I really will go to efforts to, yeah. and, I, and I send the videos to the team. So they, they scan, check everything. Uh, yeah, I'd be very, very careful. You must get asked all the time. People say, can I join your team or is your team all the looking time. for people? Yeah, it's a big variety. Uh, Be yeah. Because a question you were asked is, I'd love to know if you're looking for additional teammates uh, and how is the process for recruiting? It's really tough because with a blackjack tri uh, with a blackjack team, it has to be trust. Like the first thing is, can I trust this person with a large sum of money? Because anybody at any point could just say, oh, I had a losing session and I lost eight grand and we just wouldn't know. We just wouldn't know if they were... So the trust thing has to be there before we even check if their game is good enough. So in general, all of the people that have joined our team haven't come to the team and gone, hey, can I join your team? It's always been the other way around where we've just befriended them and we've gotten really well and then there's trust there and then it naturally sort of comes up. So we're not actively looking at expanding the team, although we are always open to it. But most of the time, it's just very hard to... If someone just reaches out to me in a cold DM, how am I going to know I can trust that person? Yeah. It's so difficult. And I am quite trusting, but I have to be careful. And everybody on the team has to trust the person too. If one person on the team gets a bad vibe, we don't have that person on the team. Yes. So it's quite a high... Absolutely. And people don't understand. Yeah. You yeah. have to because it... Everyone. It, if if those those uh, kind of fissures can happen so quickly of, of trust and, and the camaraderie and the team is so special. People don't realize how special it is to have a group of people that enjoy yeah. working together, trust each other, all have good skills. And that's the same with all of the team policies we have. We, we make sure that everybody's happy with them. Yeah. Even if people don't agree, there's a point where everyone goes, all right, I accept that I'm outvoted here. And, and they, they actually yeah. make that active commitment. And I think that's really important because, you know, it is a team. 
And the team element of the team is the most important element of the team yes. before you even get to the counting. Yeah. Nubs1981 wants to know, is there anything non-Blackjack related that you've learned from being a member of Blackjack Apprenticeship? Well, in general, a lot of the skills that you learn as a card counter are in some way are transferable. The way that you think about risk and expected value seeps into my life in every decision or thing I think about, or anytime I'm giving someone advice on a decision, I'm talking about it in like, well, what would be your expected return be? What is your, you know, your risk of ruin? Like you can convert these concepts a lot. So I'd say that's the main thing I think that really seeps into the rest of my life. But whenever you go outside of your comfort zone and counting is something outside of your comfort zone, I feel like those things can be translated in ways. Now, after three years, hundreds of hours of play, what do you feel like with this much time as a card carrier are the best and worst things about it? About card counting generally, I, I know we just sort of talked about and it. But everything that goes with it. Working on a team is the most fun, even if you're playing solo, but in different states, but you're sharing a bankroll, the level of camaraderie that you get on a team makes the whole experience way more enjoyable. Uh, so I'd say team stuff, in general, whether it's, I mean, team team in a casino doing big big player spot yeah. stuff is the most fun yes. I've had. There's just something so thrilling about it, and you don't necessarily know if your if your big player is up because you can't really like check. Yeah. But they're walking around with a tray of chips, and then uh, it's it's great fun. So really, the team element is the thing I've enjoyed the most. Um, the biggest lows are obviously the high conflict situations, yeah. but that's just you can leave the casino. So a lot of people could avoid a lot of the conflict that I have just. Dug my heels in. Do you think that's a bigger low than like oh. the emotional toll of lo losing streaks? That's a really good question. Or the loneliness it, travel? It's it's like a multiplier, I yeah. think. It's yeah. yeah, I'd say losing money is probably the worst thing. Because you're there, yeah, you want to have your fun. objective, but you're not there to have fun and lose. Exactly. Having fun and breaking even, fine. But having fun and losing isn't fun. So <laughs> having fun and losing yeah. isn't fun. Yeah. Getting backed off, treated poorly and losing. That's the worst combination. So one of the worst ones I had, it was a pretty tame back off, but I, we were on a downswing of like, like on the way to 100K downswing. And I lost 30K and I went to the restroom and splashed water on my face because I was like, you know, losing, 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 losing. And then 30K, I was like, oh. and then I walk out of the restroom and then there's like, multiple security people there ready to just uh, escort me out and that even though the back yes. off was relatively chill it's just no. it's just so it's it's because you don't have a chance to try to get it back yeah from from that place yes right. well yeah and sometimes that might be the last opportunity you have on the trip or the nearest casino is three hours or all sorts of things so it can feel awful yeah you get into card counting to take the casino's money and then when you give them your money and are told you can't it's outrageous. It's a pretty awful feeling. I always I describe being a car counter as being a professional loser because you have to lose like all the time. But to be honest, all of that bad stuff, it's good it's good life experience because it helps and, me and you do make money. We do yeah, make oh, money. Yeah, so, yeah. It just feels like <laughs> you're a professional loser. Yeah, well, unfortunately losing is a stronger feeling than winning yes. in general. So yes. you will have probably have more negative emotions yeah. doing this than positive, but that doesn't mean that I always think that, that overall, even saying that, when you look back at it, you're like, I'm so glad I've done this. Even the trips that are really tough, at the end, I'm like, ah, oh, what a thrill. Well, we know that about like compliments versus criticisms. Yeah. And and like you can know the statistics, like it takes 10 compliments to, yeah. to account for one negative comment or whatever. It doesn't 
really affect how you, it, it doesn't make it easier in a sense. However, maybe it could tell you something like, hey, I need to soak in yeah. when my significant other said compliment. I need to actually like soak that in because there's something going on in my brain that wants to not like that's a one out of 10 and then a yeah. negative comment is 10. And maybe, you know, as a card, I wish like whatever you need to do, meditate or, or even like write down your stories or something to not get in that negative loop. Yeah, that's great advice. I totally agree. Whatever you can do basically to manage your own emotions on it. But trying to see the bigger picture is always a good one. You know, I, yeah, we just play, you know, we just played at different casinos. I didn't, I didn't win. And I just try and at the end of it, I think what I said to you when we were walking back is I, when you were asking me how it, how it felt, I just said, you know, blackjack gives money and it takes money. Yeah. But like, yes. I owe so much of yeah. everything I have to blackjack. And part of it is that every now and again, the game will go, ha ha, not today. Oh yeah, totally. And the people that have the staying power, the Tommy Highlands, mm. they know blackjack gives and takes away and they know it's going to give back again. Yeah. Um, okay. So the magic community and the AP community, how do they differ Mm. And if you can offend both, you get bonus points. Oh, if I can offend in, both. In, in your answer. No. Uh, okay. Yeah. Magic. Magic community. Oh, yeah. This is because they're both secretive, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Magic community at conventions can be quite friendly. Like if you're a magician, you're at a convention. Often people can be quite welcoming. But there's also quite a lot of egos at play. Uh, the AP community, I have found. Well, it's kind of hard to gauge the AP community because how t- how often do you? Have an, there's no convention. There's no convention, right? So you can only kind of judge it based off online and then people that you actually meet. I have met a lot of APs I really, really like. Mm. Like I've met some really good friends. So, so we're better than the magic community, is what you're saying? Well, not. <laughs> I know some great magicians, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 both different. They're very different communities, though. Yeah. yeah. They're not, they're not comparable, I don't think. Okay. It's quite nice, actually, when I'm hanging out with other APs, it reminds me of this era, you know, this kind of person. Yeah. It's like a different personality type. It is. It, it's such a unique, it's such a unique yeah. thing. APs are more rebels. They've got more of a rebel streak in them. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yes, we do. Because we're cool. That's right. <laughs> Snarky Sparky wants to know, if you had to do over, what would you change? I wouldn't have put my face on line, even though, you know, I you could have done it with, without your face, without your real name. Yeah. If I was doing it all over again, I would have actually perfected an accent and probably used that in the videos yeah. and then, or even pitch shifted oh, or yeah. used a voice changer. Yeah. And then I would have just had B-roll because some of the, the most popular videos are the ones where actually it's a lot of me just pausing and then saying over the top of the clip anyway and they can't see from the camera so I would have done that I would have had way more longevity and it would have been a more sustainable format what is the most dramatic situation you've experienced in a casino well other than police being there and just massive arguments about ID and being surrounded by too many people there's something that springs to mind that's interesting that I haven't mentioned online is on the last team trip I did which isn't what was on YouTube there was a situation where it was mainly a like a team in a casino like BP spot and stuff but this one time I was in the casino playing by myself and not only did I get a back off and it was quite funny because when I got the back off, I was wearing a mask. I, I was wearing a wig and I had glasses on and a hat. So I was really all full, fully like all at the stops. And the security person recognized me based off my voice, which was a pain. But when I got to the cash desk, they wouldn't cash out anything above $5,000 without ID. 
Weirdly, they would let me cash out $5,000. Exactly. So I did that first before having the argument about the last 800. And then I had this kind of big argument. I did, you know, I just wasn't going to leave and I was standing my ground. And then the Gaming Commission was called in. I was like, oh, great. The Gaming Commission's here. Because they exist to protect the the players. It's really nice that we have Gaming Commissions, the intermediary between the casino and the player, someone that can take a neutral stance and just do what the law says. So that was really good. I saw him, but he kind of looked a bit grumpy and he was kind of sort of stood like this. And I called him over and he he came over and I sort of explained what was happening. And he went, well, I don't know why you just can't give over your ID. And I, and I just was so taken aback. And I said, hold on, but it's I don't legally need to do that. And this sort of him, really, really kind of aggressive guy. And I ended up saying, wait, your, your job is to be the intermediary between the casino and the player and to enforce the law. And he said, my job is to enforce the casino policy. So I know we've talked about calling gaming commissions. They are not always going to be helpful. This is the first I've been running Blackjack Apprenticeship for almost 15 years in in some capacity. And this is the first time I've done a video interview with an active card counter that's not like blacked out face or whatever so thanks yeah. for doing this it's fun this has been great thanks for having me awesome and check out youtube.com slash steven bridges that's the check one out, check out the card counting youtube series and for more from blackjack friendship blackjackfriendship.com